When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. First guest of the evening is truly a poet. He's an artist. He is a, a friend and an inspiration to anyone who I think who has ever played the guitar uh, or tried to write poetry. Would you please welcome Gordon Lightfoot? Rainy day people always seem to know when it's time to call. Rainy day people don't talk, they just listen till they've heard it all. Rainy day lovers don't lie when they tell you they've been down like you. Rainy day people don't mind if you cry a tear or two. This is Carefree Highway Revisited, the show that celebrates the work of Gordon Lightfoot song by song, a proud member of the Western Skies Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Messner, and along with me today is a fellow fan, Liz Castillo from Colorado. Liz, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So, question I always ask uh, at the very beginning of the show is, you know, how did you first get into Gordon's music? I think it was 1970 when If You Could Read My Mind came out. Yeah. And I remember hearing it for the first time and saying, who is that guy? Mm-hmm. And I fell in love immediately immediately bought the 45 bought the album when it was still sit down young stranger and have been a loyal fan ever since that's fantastic you know so you got him right before he really broke out in the states although he'd been you know in canada for quite a bit what do you like in general about gordon's music you know i've always liked folk music always and I like the way he talks about common man. I like the way he talks about basically what rainy day people are saying. He's talking about everyday man who has ups and downs. I like the way he talks about workers and people who have been put down. I love his voice. Oh, it touches my heart. I love the fact that he's had the same parts of the same band for so long and they're so loyal and it's almost like they can anticipate each other. I don't know if that's true, but that's what it feels like to me. I can understand the the folk music aspect of it. That's what I grew up listening to. Uh, my parents, you know, had tons of records from that genre, and one of them was Gord's Gold. I don't remember that they had any of the individual albums, but you know, if you're going to start, you know, with getting an exposure to Lightfoot's music, you know, then Gord's Gold is probably a good way to start. Now, you've seen Gordon live, and I know you had a special story about that. I'll get to that in a second or two. But what was the venue like and how was the show if you've seen him more than once you can talk about that as well i was trying to remember i don't have the ticket but i know the first time i saw him was at regis college field house and it was very hot it was small and even though it was hot i stuck it out and loved every second of it i've seen him at big venues i've seen him at small i saw him at red rocks and if you know about red rocks that is the place to have a concert and that was heavenly And then I saw him at Botanic Gardens, which was outside. And that 
That was so neat. It was so relaxed and laying on the grass, eating picnics. And I love that so much. And I, I just, I love the outside, but Red Rocks, of course, had to be the best. But I would love to see him in a little coffee house with just some of us Goldies. <laughs> yeah, just a little club or something like that. Yeah, it would yeah, hold yeah, less yeah. than 100 people. I think yeah, that would be yeah, yeah. great. Now, you had a great experience meeting Gordon backstage at one of the shows. Tell us about that. Well, my son... He's kind of a, an old hippie, but kind of born in the wrong era. And he has a real knack for meeting people that he wants to meet. He's met a lot of his, you know, his bands that he likes. And so my husband was going to go with me to one of the concerts. And of course, he's not a huge fan. He just placates me. And so my son, Joe, said, I'll go with you. Well, I wrote a letter to Gordon and I just really poured my heart out. You know, my son, Joe, took me to the door to the theater in the alley and gave it to his manager. And he said he promised he'd give it to him. So he sure enough, we went in and we were sitting there. He came up to us and he said, come up to the stage when the concert's over. So, of course, I'm about ready to jump out of my skin. And (laughs) at the end of the concert, Joe and I lined up. And I'm listening to all these people going, oh, you people don't even know him. Just get out of my way. And <laughs> my son is saying, okay, mom, don't freak out. Don't freak out. So we get up there and met him. He referred to my letter and was very nice to my son. And we took some pictures. And he said that was a very well thought out letter. And he was so gracious and just chit-chatted for a minute. So we left and we got out onto the street and I said, can I freak out now? <laughs> <laughs> so you had a delayed reaction freak out. Oh, it was great. I told my son, I want that story told at my funeral because that was one of the highlights of my life. And then my son became a fan after he'd heard him all his life. He said, you know, mom, he really is good. <laughs> <laughs> That is amazing. And I, I hope I get to take my son to a, a concert, you know, of his. I mean, of course, my son has grown up listening to it because, of course, I listen to it, you know, in the car and things. But that's just amazing. I hope I'm as lucky as you are, you know, just writing with, hey, I do a podcast about your work. You know, could you please, you know, meet us? Although I don't know how many meet and greets he's doing. Back to Rainy Day People. Why did you want to talk about this song in particular? You know, I liked it as soon as I heard it, and I like everything about it, but to me, it's a roadmap about how people should behave, how they should be there for other people. Um, How many of us are filling in what we want to say while somebody's talking? And so a rainy day person would be somebody who is just listening and just letting the person talk. You're there for people. You're, You're there to listen, not judge. Another personal thing is I work, um, I volunteer in a prison, in women's prison, and I have learned that they want to be heard, and you just hear them, because they really do have a lot to say, and um, the line where it says, high step and strutters who land in the gutter, there are people in there who are professionals, there are people who, it, it reminds you that you're one step away from being there, one bad choice away from being there. And to me, that's what this song is talking about. I think you kind of summed it up. I mean, it really is such a sweet, loving, generous, selfless song, or it talks about the selflessness that we should all have. Mm -hmm. It's straightforward as all his songs are. You know, there's not a whole lot of game playing with the words. 
And the arrangement is just country enough so that it would appeal to that audience, but it's not so hokey mm-hmm. as to have it classified. And we'll talk more about, you know, how it's categorized in a little while. And we'll also talk about kind of a seamy underside of the song in a little bit, but Mm-hmm. I think for me, the arrangement and the straightforwardness is beautiful. The string arrangement is also really, really tasty. What to you is the best setting for listening to this song? I mean, is it sitting at home? Is it driving? Is it being a certain place? Let's say you were just listening to the recording. You weren't watching a, a live performance. I listen to him mostly at home mm-hmm. and camping. I love having a little CD player and play him when I'm camping. We'll be right back to our conversation with Liz Castillo about rainy day people. But first, a word from one of our podcast partners. Hi, this is Audie Martello, the host of the Mostly Folk podcast, a 60-minute foray into the music we all love. You will hear newly released albums, classic folk, country, and bluegrass music, as well as some traditional music that may or may not be true to the genre. Sometimes irreverent, often opinionated, but always entertaining. You may even hear a radio magic trick every so often, as well as numerous interviews via Zoom and telephone with established as well as indie artists. Mostly Folk is available wherever you listen to podcasts and always at mostlyfolk.org. His songs are so perfect for the outdoors, most of them. Yeah. I think for me, it would be at home on a rainy day, um, (laughs) you know, believe it or not. Not even thinking about any particular people, but just to, you know, have that resonate. And, you know, of course, everybody's going to have their own little experience with it. But for me, you know, rainy day people, why not have it done on a rainy day? So the same way that I would listen to Summer Side of Life, it would be great if it was a really hot day in July. You know, it would just resonate more. So for a winter's night. (laughs) For a winter's night. Yeah. Which we did in our uh, second show here. I heard it. Yeah. Yeah, Okay, great. All right. Let's dive into the song itself. Uh, Jennings' book, Nicholas Jennings' book, suggests that some of the song was about Kathy Smith, who was Gordon's girlfriend for a number of years. And she later became infamous for shooting John Belushi with heroin on the night he died at the Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles. He described it, Jennings did, as a wistful number about a lover who could listen well and share darker moods. We know that it was written in the same house where Gordon wrote Carefree Highway and The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I'm assuming that house was in Toronto. And it sounds very much like the antonym to the phrase fair weather friends, or the idea that people are only around when times are good, but when the rain starts to fall, they're going to leave. And then there was one other thing that I thought was kind of interesting. Some people have speculated that it was about Jehovah's Witnesses, that they always knew that it's a rainy Saturday morning. So here's the day when we're going to, you know, knock on your door. Okay. And talk to you about the kingdom of heaven or something Mm -hmm. like that. So do you have any reaction to that or any knowledge about the background of the song? I looked up some meanings and I found that one, which I think is 
weird. <laughs> <laughs> the, one about the, the one about the JW? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then I read, it's about a person waiting in the wings until a relationship dissolves so they can move in and take the place. That's the antithesis to what this whole song is to me, because that is, it's underhanded. It reminds me of Layla, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it does remind me of Layla and just waiting for another relationship to fail seems pretty, pretty underhanded to me. Mm-hmm. When I read that, and I think he said that in the liner notes to the Gordon Lightfoot songbook. Yeah. I mean, that's really a nasty mm-hmm. way of looking at it. And if that is in fact what it is, he dressed it up so perfectly <laughs> as this sweet rainbows and light kind of song. And it's really about being a vulture. Right. And it made, when I read that, I thought to myself, how could you do that? I mean, I, know, right? I grew up listening to and loving, you know, and it's really about somebody being very, very selfish rather than selfless. It doesn't mean it's not a beautifully put together song, but it right. creeped me out a little. Me bit. too. After hearing his interviews more recently, I wonder if his interpretation of it would be different today. I'll throw this in. I was so impressed when I heard an interview, and I don't know who the guy's name was, but Gordon was talking about some of his old songs, some of the ways that he was in the past, maybe short-tempered, maybe impatient with people. And then he said the line, he said, do you have regrets? And Gordon said, yes, I hurt people's feelings. And he said that with such a full heart that I thought, you know, many of us mellow with age. I know I have. And I wonder if today, if he were interviewed about that song, he may change what he said. Because like you say, that that is not the meaning of that song to me at all. Yeah. And I don't know if he would write that song today. I mean, you talk about mellowing with age and with age does come wisdom. And I think he's probably thinking, he may be thinking about that song and thinking, you know, my agenda when I was writing that was probably not the purest. And it's probably not a song that I would write today, at least not with that mindset. So I think it's a bit like For Love and Me in that I wonder, you know, maybe he want to have that one back. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe not write it. I mean, it was remarkably successful for him. Not that I would think that he'd be so callous that he'd be crying all the way to the bank, but I, I wonder that if he would want that one back. When I heard his interviews and if you could read my mind, the documentary, he said something very strongly against that's what you get for loving me. Yeah. And that was what we talked about in our last episode was mm-hmm. that song and where he, if there is one song that I think he just wishes he'd never written, it was yeah. about that, yeah. but he may feel similarly about this. I haven't heard him, you know, speak out on it mm-hmm. uh, recently, but you know, maybe we need to dig a little further. Okay. Well, let's uh, stop the psychoanalysis and go into <laughs> the actual lyrics of the song. If you get lonely, all you really need is that rainy day love. Rainy day people all know there's no sorrow they can't rise above. Sweet, caring, willing to share the load, true friendships, and you'd never know that there was anything unseemly going on in his mind. And then rainy day lovers don't love any others. That would not be kind. Now, wait a second, because we know that 
this song is not about exclusivity. It's not about unbridled generosity. It almost has a tone of unkindness to it. Well, unless you're talking about romantic love. Yeah. If you're involved with somebody within a committed relationship and you become involved and start loving somebody else, that would not be kind. And rainy day lovers all know how that hangs on your peace of mind. Mm-hmm. It does hang on your peace of mind when somebody that you love loves somebody else. I think it's more that was more about a romantic love than loving mankind itself. That's my interpretation. You, you might be right. On the other hand, I mean, if he's saying that they're rainy day lovers, that implies that when the sun comes out, they're not going to necessarily be there. So it's an interesting juxtaposition. You know, about, you know, if they're rainy day lovers, I mean, you could just call them lovers at that point. Right. Rather than rainy day lovers. Right. Um, And then you got all how it hangs on their peace of mind. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything probably secretive about that lyric. Rainy day people always seem to know when you're feeling blue. And then the line that you mentioned, high step and strutters who land in the gutters sometimes need one too. I'm wondering if he was talking about himself there because he had certainly been to the top. Of mm. I mean, he'd come out of Aurelia, Ontario, and now all of a sudden he was making hits. He'd fallen from the perch in some ways. Maybe oh. it was his first marriage breaking up. Maybe it was his relationship with Kathy. Maybe it was because some album that he had put out didn't perform as well as he had hoped, although by that time he hadn't had too many flops. So I'm wondering if he may have been a little bit introspective there. You know, I bet you're right. And well, in the alcoholism, I mean, that's a big fall. And falling in the gutter, high step instructors who land in the gutter. I, you know, I hadn't thought about it being him. But yeah, I bet you're right. Because it's a big jump from a small town to the world. We'll be right back to our conversation with Liz Castillo about rainy day people. But first... Stepping away from folk music here for a second. When you're not listening to the music of Gordon Lightfoot, are you a fan of true crime, cults, paranormal experiences, conspiracies, and all things sinister? Then take a listen to Sinister Story Hour, a podcast focusing on macabre and monstrous events in the recent past and the not-so-recent. Hostess Stephanie Lynn tells true stories of events that are ghastly, gruesome, but most of all, great fun. That's Sinister Story Hour, available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to Carefree Highway Revisited. The alcoholism, what state of his drinking, where where he was at, where was the, he the then? depth of his drinking, I'm not too sure about, but um, it might very well have been that he was sensing that, you know, the drinking was getting out of hand. The last bit, take it or leave it, or try to believe it if you've been down too long. Rainy day lovers don't hide love inside, they just pass it on. And it's a very sweet ending to a very sweet song, but it's also a very mysterious song. As we now know, there's mm-hmm. there's more going on in the cranial swamp, you know, than just writing this very sweet, very catchy song. Now, this song appeared on Cold on the Shoulder, okay, right. which actually came out in 1975. The song was number 10 on the Canadian RPM top singles. It was number one on Canadian RPM adult contemporary, 26 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, number one on the U.S. Billboard Easy Listening. That was the last time he did get a number one on that chart. 
uh, and then 47 on the U.S. Billboard Hot Country singles. So uh, the influence is folk. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But in as much as there aren't any folk charts, or there aren't at least in the mid-70s, it makes sense that it would be on the Hot 100 and the Easy Listening and the Adult Contemporary and the Hot Country singles. Right. Do you think of this as a country song? Hmm. Kind of country-ish. You know, kind of because you're talking about real people, real genuine people who have ups and downs. And that's that's folk. That's country. Which is not to say that country isn't genuine. It certainly is. But it's not hokey, I guess, would be the way that I would say this. I mean, country music in the 70s was beginning to get into the outlaw country, uh, you know, thing with Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. Uh, and acts like that. So it's a very different place than it had been in the 60s. Let's turn a little bit to the musical part of this. Um, You and I had talked offline a little bit about the guitar parts. The steel guitar, and this is probably a good way of integrating this back in, because to me, my favorite musical part of this is actually apart from the strings which you know i've already said really add this nice touch yeah is peewee charles's pedal steel and that is really what makes it country you know otherwise Uh it's just a straight four four beat Uh um but it also brings some color to the song it reminds me of the rainfall because he does have these kind of yeah yeah right that's what i like yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. we agree on that and it's very tastefully done it's a country-ish song i think that's Mm -hmm. the way that probably a good way of describing it and that's mainly of what i like i mean i like a lot of it but Mm -hmm. that part that that is kind of like rain coming down and Mm -hmm. yeah i like it it's interesting that Wee charles has never been replaced in the band he left the band at some point because I think he wanted to spend more time with his family because he'd been on the road so much. Mm-hmm. And Gordon was not happy, but he said, Pee Wee, I'll never replace you. And apparently he never has, mm-hmm. um, at least in performance. He probably has pedal steel on records, but it's different. The people that were involved with this, since you mentioned earlier, you know, the tightness of his band. If you look at the people that played on this, it's really the core of the live band in the mid seventies with a couple of notable exceptions. Mm -hmm. Gordon is singing and playing acoustic guitar. Terry Clemens and Red Shea are also playing. Um, although I don't know who had the instrumental break after the second verse. Rick Haynes playing bass. Of course, he's still forever. Yeah. yeah. Pee Wee Charles on pedal steel. Jim Gordon's playing drums. Now, Jim played a lot of sessions with Gordon. He never played live with him, as far as uh-huh. I know. Uh, and then Nick DiCaro played piano and did the string arrangement. I can barely hear the piano, but I can certainly hear uh, the strings. Yeah. But Gordon, Terry, Red, Rick, and Pee Wee, that is the touring band right there. Okay. Without looking at your notes or without trying to do a search on this, how many times do you think Gordon has played this song in concert? Well, not as much as some. Played a lot of concerts. I'm going to say 100. He has played this 612 times. My gosh. I mean, the first time he played it was July 1st, 1975. So around the time that Cold on the Shoulder came out. And then most recently, he played it about seven weeks ago. He played at the Surf Ballroom in Clear Lake, Iowa. 
on July 20th of this year. So you said, you know, not as many as others. That's certainly true, but yeah. it seems that's an awful lot of times. It is more than yeah. I would think. It's been re-recorded by seven different artists. And that kind of surprised me because it seems like it could be very easily covered. And I honestly hadn't heard any of these, but Lori Cullen, Bobby Edwards, Lori Bauer Singers, Perry Novak and Bob Volkman, Mary O'Hara, the Tyler Singers, and Mac Wiseman. Have you heard or heard of any of those covers? I have because um, I had found that information mm -hmm. and um, I listened to some of them and they don't hold a candle, <laughs> in my opinion. Of course, any covers. There are some good covers of his other songs, but they're never as good as his. I do tend to agree with you. And particularly because this is the first version that we ever hear, it kind of breaks the mold. It does. In a lot of yeah. ways. Is there anybody from contemporary music that you would like to hear try this? I mean, with the understanding that it may not live up to what Lightfoot did, but is anybody today that you would say, you know, it might be interesting to hear this person try it? Well, you wrote down Don Williams. He would be perfect. He would, yeah, that was a great idea. I also think uh, Willie Nelson would do a good job, I think. I can hear that. He certainly has, you know, the musical chops to do it. Um, yeah, Don Williams would have been very fun. Yeah. Alan Mills, who is another Canadian singer, um, had the same vocal range. You know, I think that would have been fun. Stan Rogers also would have been good. You know, he, even his voice is maybe a little bit too deep. But in terms of today, no. I mean, that, there's nobody that I would think of and say, you know, hey, this person could really do a nice job oh. on this. But contemporary people, no, I can't I can't think of anybody. You know, but, I, but I'll throw in, this is just my opinion too, that some of the covers that he does of other people are better than the originals, in my opinion. Yeah. Liz, as we're wrapping up here, are there any other thoughts, closing thoughts on this song that you wanted to share with the listeners? You know, something I thought of this morning when I was listening to it was, if you get a nudge, act on it. If you get a nudge that, gee, you know, I haven't talked to so-and-so in a long time. I'm going to call him. Or I know so-and-so has been down lately. I'm just going to check in. I think I get those intentional nudges a lot and I don't act on them. Um, I think it's something that we can do. And another thing I forgot to say was that this song holds me accountable for my own actions. Because when I hear it, I say to myself, oh my gosh, you know what? I was talking to her the other day and I wouldn't be quiet. It holds me accountable for my own actions. And I like that. You know, I think Gordon would be very proud to hear that. You know, that it did have something where you need to reach out to the people you love, let them know that you care because we are not guaranteed the next heartbeat. I love the way you said that. Liz, it's been a pleasure. Uh, great talking to you in the various groups. And now I've had you on the show. Thank you very much for joining me. And I'd love to have you back again soon. Thank you so much for doing this. I was kind of scared to do it, but I'm glad I did it. And thanks for listening, everybody. If you liked this well enough to listen to the whole thing, tell somebody about it. Carefree Highway Revisited is on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach me, Mike Messner, at teachermike72 at gmail.com. Our next episode will feature my guest, Kevin Hester, and he will be talking about I'm Not Supposed to Care.
Until then, this is Mike Messner reminding you, run for the roses, but don't forget to stop and smell them. We'll see you next time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.